0: Hi, it's
1: me, Victoria, your DM. You might have noticed that this came out a little bit later on a Saturday than our usual early morning time, but we are now going to be releasing these consistently at 5 p.m. Eastern on every other Saturday. So, that is a change. It just, my, my schedule has changed since we started creating this show. I mean, I, I have a completely different job than, than I did when we started. My schedule is different. Um, in the five o'clock, just it makes it a lot easier for me. So that's why we're doing it. We also have a new show that we are making, and I am super excited about it. The working title, the production title is called Villagers, though that will not be its final title. We are going to wait to release that information, but we do have spot for one more player, and we have an open Casting call. So if you want to learn more about that, just check out the show notes. It will have a link to all of the information and where to apply. The premise of the show is that the players are villagers. This village is located nearby some newly discovered ruins, and their lives are thrown for a loop as asshole adventurers pass through and fuck everything up for them. So we will have guests coming in to play those asshole adventurers, and our players will have to deal with that in-town life which we're really, really pleased about this concept. And we are going to be using the Witch and Craft Supplement that's by Astrolago Press for this, which adds mechanics for like more mundane crafting, um, which we are going to be using for our our players. It's not out yet. The Kickstarter hasn't quite delivered, and I was told that the digital are probably going to be out next month, and then the hard copies in August. August. Uh, but yeah, so we're, we're really thrilled and super excited to share that with you. Okay, let's get to it. As Maypri and Lucky get up to their midnight adventures, Ylaris and Keela have their own nocturnal experiences and reflect on the events of the day. Keela, Keila has some work to do. Starring Kristen Flemons as Ylaris, the half-elf
0: wizard witch. I'm just going to quickly cast Detect Magic on it. I'm just a little bit suspicious. Tracy Gibbons as Keela, our high-elf
1: bard.
2: Bread? Jam?
1: And then there's me, Victoria Rogers, your DM. It is late. Somewhere out there, the Moon Spear is still going on with couples dancing. But after turning the turtle into the authorities, making official statements once again, and convincing the City Watch that charging Maypre with reckless endangerment was not a good idea, or necessary, really, Though you did have quite a bit of help from the High Priestess of Chanti on that one. The group of you decided to head back to the temple. It had been an exciting evening. You have retired
0: to your room. What are you doing? I think just um, taking in a moment of silence after all of that chaos. He's sitting and and pulling out a book, brushing out my hair. A hundred strokes. At the very minimum. <laughs> Your hair is very fluffy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it takes more after a hard day, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What book? Um, I think uh, one of the old uh, histories of Waterdeep. It's nice being back in the city, and I'm really, you know... Feeling like being here.
1: As you are reading this history of Waterdeep, it is open on the desk in front of you, and you're brushing your hair in long, deliberate strokes. There is a rustle as something is
0: slid underneath your door. Who's there? Hello? Okay get up from the bench and go see what what has been slipped and also open the door to see who's there that is a
1: 18 in his deck so yeah
0: um you
1: don't see anyone you you hear um like slippered feet around a corner but there isn't anyone there but there
0: is at your feet a a letter um I'll pick it up and examine it. Is there a a seal on it that I recognize? It is a piece of
1: parchment that has been folded into three and then sealed with just plain beeswax.
0: Okay. I'm just going to quickly cast Detect Magic on it. I'm just a little bit suspicious.
1: Okay. You, You cast it. And what does that look like when you cast that on there?
0: Um... I think it's just a a couple words muttered under my breath and a snap and uh, a sort of a just a brief shimmering of light that radiates out from me to like the the 30 foot radius and um, extra sparkles that that uh, cling to anything that is magical. You see, it's not the letter itself,
1: because when you pick up that letter... There's something a little lumpy inside of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But whatever's inside of that letter, there is a faint golden aura Hmm. about it. And this, you know, is
0: abjuration. Interesting. I am intrigued. Um, I I will take it back to the desk and sit back down and... Of course, I have a letter opener with which I open all parchment. I don't just rip them open. I I have a tool for this. Uh, (laughs) So very deliberately, I will crack the letter opener under the seal and open it with caution. But abjuration doesn't make me too anxious.
1: When you unfold that piece of parchment, you see a letter handwritten, um, and also a lock of hair Hmm. that has been tied with a, like, a bow made out of, like, a leather, a thin leather strip at the top holding it together.
0: Okay. Um, I will pick it up and examine it and then, uh, set it aside and read the letter.
1: Hi, Yularies, or goodbye, really. I'm not very good at this sort of thing. Ronly is so much better. At any rate, um, goodbye. I'm sure we will see each other again. But I had to go back. It has been too long away from Bromley. Here is a lock of his hair. I I took it before the battle just... Well, I took it and have kept it since. Perhaps it is time you had it. It has kept me safe. I left my notebook in my room perhaps my notes about doors will come in useful whenever you come back to Rashomon your dad and I will be there Kennethar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh I I think that there is just a a full um spectrum of emotions and expressions that play across Hilaria's face as she reads this from like sort of like perplexity at the writing style uh, and, and sort of shock that at what's being communicated to excitement when she hears about the notebook and then deep sort of dismay at the memory of the notes on the doors. Uh, um, and and she just sort of sits there for a long while I think probably you know putting it down and sort of just resting her head in her hands leaning over top of it I, I never met someone who writes quite so similarly to how they speak and it's at once off-putting and deeply endearing And I think we would see a real sadness uh, play across her face as she realizes that this connection to her family has now also left. Mm. And perhaps a hardening of the jaw of a little bit of anger, but she takes a deep breath and sort of squares her shoulders and picks up the lock of hair and finds a a small um, suede pouch to tuck it in and, and ties it on her belt and folds up the letter and tucks it in the back of the book on Waterdeep's history. And I will go looking... For this journal, maybe, maybe there'll be something useful in it.
1: Okay, so you, you go to his room? Yeah. Okay, his, his room was um, just two doors down from you. It's actually, it's pretty neat. Um, I mean, you, you haven't been there for very long, but the bed is made. Um, there's his pack because he's always packed just in case. His pack is there. Neat and tidy at
0: the foot of the bed. And nothing else in the room?
1: No, it's just like the plain, very simple temple cell.
0: Alright. I will start going through his pack.
1: Okay, you, you find a couple of doorknobs. <laughs> um one one is wood. I gotta and say that another the, is crystal. The
0: detect magic is still going yeah yeah are they anything
1: the wooden one yeah huh. um it does and it is
0: anticipated
1: enchantment
0: <laughs> hmm all right i'll tuck that in my bag i'm gonna need to identify that later <laughs> Enchanted doorknob. Alright, I'll continue laying out all of his belongings on the bed.
1: It, it there I mean there's there's a couple extra pairs of underwear, um, couple pairs of of knitted socks, mm-hmm. uh, an extra shirt mm-hmm. and there there is like a travel teapot
2: hmm. and
1: like a, a a travel set of like metal teacups. I'm gonna take two. those.
0: Okay. That sounds like it would come in useful.
1: And there is his notebook. And it is leather-bound. And there are a lot of runes on the outside
0: of it. Is this in any language that I recognize? What languages do you read again? So many. Let me tell you (laughs) all about them. Do you speak draconic? No. (laughs) I speak common, (laughs) elvish, Rashemi, and celestial. Okay, yeah, you you can't read them. All right, I make a mental note to get Keela to cast comprehend languages on it. <laughs> right, is the inside written in Draconic as well Elvish. or Elvish? Okay, I speak that. Okay,
1: um, there's a lot of random notes about form. Mm -hmm. it's very philosophical Hmm. what is a thing what makes a thing yeah where like what what planes does a thing exist in Mm -hmm. um he's he seems to be like really into that yeah also um he's really into smoke shapes and what they can mean okay and how how the shape of smoke rising from a fire can help you, I guess like almost like an augury.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: Um, there's a lot of that. And then there's a whole bunch of doorknob etchings. Right. Um, and rubbings uh, some of them are really cool and some of them had runes on them um some of them are in celestial some of them are in weird languages that you've never seen before there's a there's a couple love poems oh um a couple a couple journal entries you know about how he
0: misses bron um and mrs Rashaman, his hopes and dreams for a future I think at first in the journal entries, like I'm really interested in the philosophical stuff, even if like the smoke shape thing isn't necessarily completely up my alley. Like I'm interested in the concepts here. Um, I start to feel a little bit bad reading the journal entries, but I don't stop and I definitely (laughs) start looking for any references to myself at all. Oh, (laughs) just like, did he ever write about me? Did he ever write about me? You come
1: to an entry, and it is dated some months before. Like, this, it's from when you originally came to the Vrmyani Stronghold. Mm. And it is the night before the ritual. She is here. He hasn't said anything, but I know he's rattled. I'm not sure if it's joy or sadness, maybe a mix of both. I'm not sure if this is a good thing or not, but if it means he can be free then I guess it's worth it.
0: I give a big sigh. I think at this point, like I've probably just sort of slid down the bed and I'm leaning against the bed uh, with the journal propped against my knees, reading through all of this and sort of just tilt my head back and and look at the ceiling for a bit, remembering and, and trying not to remember that night and then just forge ahead next century. I think I know what it is your eyes get really big.
1: <laughs> but I can't be sure. We have to go to the old the old temple up in the mountains. Then I'll be sure. I know Bronlee suspects as well.
0: Yeah, I'm just like reading these things as fast as I can.
1: You you get it's fractured mm-hmm. um because it was a very eventful time, so it jumps around and there are gaps of happenings because he could go like a week without writing and he doesn't spend a lot of time going on Mm -hmm. about what happened in those times it's just talking about what's happening in the now so so you get um a journal entry from him in the shadow plane and then you don't hear from him until he is on the road from erling to to the battle. How he got to Erling from the Shadow Plane, you it, it doesn't say. He's just there. So there's a lot of jumps and gaps. There is a lot of him questioning whether he is selfish or not for being thankful that he has Bronly free. Meanwhile, his entire country is now at war mm-hmm. because
0: of this selfishness and he's very torn. I think the The cut on my hand, the scar aches a little bit. And once I flip through all of this, uh, I think I will just focus in on the doorknob and the door classification from when we were in uh, Sigil. Just try and clear my head and also see if there ever was anything actually interesting or useful in here.
1: He seems to be he knows there's a pattern with these doors in sigil Mm -hmm. that are 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 run by the lady of pain there is a pattern and he's he knows it he can spot glimpses of it but he can't put it all together Mm -hmm. and he's frustrated there's also
0: a really good cupcake recipe okay i'll i'll put a little bookmark in that maybe get somebody else to make it for me
1: yeah, you you have you have a companion who has a great butterspoon. Yeah.
0: Oh, great. Oh, the <laughs> butterspoon. Um yeah, you know, I think I'll spend most of the night just going over these door patterns that uh, that he has devised and sort of writing them out myself and see if I can uh, find any more insight out of them. Basically spend my night with Kennethar even though I can't spend my night with Kennethar. Keela, it
1: is night, and as Maypri says, it is either late or early, depending on your perspective. Everyone has gone to bed. You are alone in your room. And it's like a cell. It's very small. There's about three feet of space for you to walk in between the bedside and the opposite wall. You know that from your upbringing... It is a lunar hallowing. This is a night when if you were to meditate and join almost like a collective meditation, the the goddess of dreams and mystery, she will bring all of you together and you can all join minds as one.
2: I don't know if I want to share my mind with anybody right now because everything that just happened with my, I just went through this experience where I found the bagpipes. I'm in the process of attempting to process because I'm so torn because I found this thing that I wanted, but at the same time it felt so empty because I knew that it's in the end, the bagpipes are something that I wanted, but they're just an object. They're, they're not the person who owned them. They're not the person that I wanted. And on top of that, so many people people died because of these and there's so much more going on to them. And I I can't itemize what to do with this object that I have a deep personal connection with that I feel like my personal connection is severing and they're starting to belong to something so much bigger than me. So I'm, I think that I I maybe tried to meditate for five whole minutes and it didn't work out. And uh, I just want to splash my face with some water and and walk around the temple a little bit.
1: Okay. You exit your cell and it opens up into a big common room. You see, there's probably a solid 10 other doors to small cells like yours um, that lead out to this common shared area. It's just, it's a small city. Seating area. There's a fireplace. And then from there, there is a door that leads out into the courtyard of the temple.
2: I want to make my way to the courtyard. I want to see the full moon.
1: Okay. You step out of the room into a, like, archway. There's, like, a portico off of the walls, the wall of doors. And it then from underneath that portico you step out into the moonlight the the clouds from the storm earlier have blown over and this the night's moon is full and stars shine down upon you there is a great oak tree in the center of this courtyard and there are benches and it's beautifully landscaped with hedgerows um that block off different areas for seating and meditation
2: i want to sit at the base of the oak tree with my back to it so i can spend some time looking at the stars and the moon and just try and compartmentalize everything that i'm feeling and try and sort through everything that happened especially today but Really, I, had, I just have a lot to think over in general.
1: You wander off to that oak tree. And in order to do that, you have to walk along a very winding, twisting path. And you can't always see over top of the hedges and the trees. Um, the, everything is very screened. But they use nature to screen it to create different alcoves. So it's, it's kind of a maze in there. But you, you walk in the general... It's not intended to be a maze. So it's easy to navigate and make your way there. And as you can, as you're walking, you can hear murmurs of people talking in different, different alcoves. Um, There's, you know, quiet sounds of people conversing.
2: I think that even though there are people who are in this area, I, 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 leave them to their own peace right now. I really just want some time to be with myself. Okay, you
1: enter the center of the clearing As you enter it from the area, like the the pathway that you took, there are several other pathways one can take to and from the center of the courtyard. Um, You can see someone leaving the center, just as you're kind of entering. As their footsteps recede into the distance, you are left quiet and alone. There are crickets. There is a stream, a small stream, that runs through this clearing. And there is no seeding as such here. Like, this area is kept very natural with a lot of moss underfoot.
2: I think that, that I like that it's kept natural and it's been... We've kind of been going a lot into towns and cities and haven't been spending as much time near trees and moss. So I want to sit near the base of the oak tree and maybe find a bit of moss to just put my hand on just so I can kind of feel it squish beneath my palm and and take in the smells, the smells around me and the smells of the trees.
1: Yeah, so it's autumn, so it is... There's a bit of that chill in the air, just a hint of it. It, it hasn't gotten super cold yet. Um, and the the leaves are starting to turn of this oak tree. There's, there's yellows and reds and oranges and greens to various shades of. It smells a little wet because of the earlier rain. It's got that wet, earthy... Scent, But there's also the scent of late fall flowers and incense even coming out from the chapel.
2: Once I get into this area and get to feel a little bit separated from everything that's happening, when I went on a walk, I first thought to myself that I need some time to to process and think and let all these thoughts flow through my mind. But I think once I get here and actually am surrounded by these these colors these smells i find my thoughts actually quieting a little bit and i start to focus on on all of these different senses and try and try and focus my energy on that so i can instead of actually processing just not think about it for a few minutes
1: are you diaphragmatic breathing
2: yeah yes i am i i don't think that i really fully intend to but it just starts to happen
1: your diaphragm fills and contracts as you focus and just focus on nothing you just focus on your breath and you focus on the scents and the sounds of the crickets the soft murmuring of people you hear a shuffle as someone hurries by somewhere close by in robes And your mind stills. You are meditating.
2: And even though I do meditate every night, I think that for the first time in a while, it's actually feeling a little bit restful. I feel like previously when I've been meditating, it's been more of a time to let everything just roll through my mind, review the day, and and almost watch it like a movie reel again. But here, it's, it's actually fulfilling the purpose of meditation to to try and clear my mind a little bit rather than refill it with everything that it's already filled with.
1: you can feel the dampness of the earth begin to soak through your breeches and but it, it's not a lot just that cool wet moss beneath your knees. There's a bit of a breeze the this, the air is still thick with smoke. Uh, Well, not as thick as the smoke, but their smoke is still there. But you also have the night scent coming in off the ocean. As you rest, as you find peace, I need you to give me a wisdom saving throw, please.
2: Oh boy, okay.
1: That's a seven. Suddenly there is another voice. Another, not a voice, uh, suddenly there is another thought. And it, too, is at peace. But it's, it's different from your peace. There's something a bit more earthy about it. But it's another presence.
2: I think that makes me open
1: my eyes. And you sit in the center of the courtyard of the Temple of Shanti in Waterdeep.
2: Can I see anything different around me? No. After giving the area, like, a good sweeping glance, I'm going to close my eyes and, and try and resume my restfulness, kind of, like, maybe wrinkling my nose a little bit, like, how dare that thing, whatever it was, disturb my actual moment of peace. And are you able to manage to calm down after that?
1: Do you think Kilo would
2: be able to? Not Not fully. Maybe, maybe a little bit. You know, she is going to resume her breathing and everything, but that that same piece as before isn't quite there. And I okay. think that hearing a sound reminds her that there there are other people around. She's not truly alone here, and she can't fully let down her defenses. Even in spite of the fact that her other senses are telling her that it's okay.
1: Okay, then in that case, give me another roll, add your wisdom modifier, but you're at disadvantage.
2: That will be an eight. Mm-hmm. You
1: don't find that piece again.
2: No, I think that I'm reminded of the world out there again. Suddenly I think that the smells are maybe... A little bit bit too intense. Mm. I think that being disturbed makes, you know, the earthiness a little bit cloying. And uh, I want to stand up and start to make my way back to somewhere. I don't really know where yet. I just am ready to leave this spot now. Okay, so you wander. Yeah, back through the maze. You hear almost like...
1: The sound of a faint symphony—just their harp and bells—just play for like a brief one and a half seconds, and the air feels like it shimmers around you, and then everything is back to where it was.
2: Was the sound coming from a specific direction, or was it like very close to me?
1: Um, it was—it was close to you. But it's like it was behind some like a screen of vegetation.
2: That that definitely stops my walking and I can I part this like vegetative screen or is it really dense?
1: Um, I think there are some trellises there
2: that there are vines and stuff growing on.
1: So it would be difficult to get through. But you could kind of peek through.
2: Yeah, I wanna I wanna peek through, see if I see anything on the other side.
1: You see an area with a bench.
2: I want to try and see if I can sort my way through the maze to try and get back to that area. Okay, yeah, you can. I mean, you, you it. Like I said, it's,
1: it's not, not that disorienting. It's not really a maze. It's not yeah. there to like make you confused. Yeah, it's just like you don't walk from point A to point B in a straight line.
2: It meanders. Yeah, in that case, I want to meander my way over to that area and to the bench yeah it's a stone bench there's
1: um some berry bushes around it uh and you're you're actually at this point there's um there's a birch tree overhead Uh, there's a cluster of three of them they've lost half their leaves already
2: can I do a survival check to see if they're edible berries
1: yes You can.
2: That's a ten. Uh, You're not sure what they are. Okay. Uh, Probably not best to not eat them. I want to... just take a slow walk around the area, see if I can maybe hear any music again, or see anything that's out of place. Not really. I mean, there was someone here. There's some leaves that have been shuffled. Um, But... No. It's just an empty alcove. Can I tell what direction the person left in?
1: No. They came in. You think? Give me a survival check. Fourteen. Yeah, they they came in, you think? Like, the, the, it's weird? Because someone did come in here, and someone shuffled around, but... There was also, like, some leaves that are over top of where their you know foots their foots there is a <laughs> plural word for that Victoria. yes it's foots yes foots <laughs> they place their foots um in that like soft wet dry leaf well just, <laughs> soft wet dry leaves <laughs> i can talk the wet dry leaves Yes, so those those old leaves that have fallen off these trees because they have died. Um, those ones, they're wet and they have stepped their foots in those. But there are other there are some leaves that are like on top of them now. And that's odd. Now there was a little touch of a breeze when the air shimmered. Maybe that was part of
2: it. You're not sure. It's a possibility. Can I shuffle those top leaves aside? Yes. And do I see anything else unusual? They look like humanoid feet. Booted feet. Leather boots. I don't really think there's anything else that I can discern in this area, so I want to start to make my way back to the temple. I remember there was a fireplace, and that sounds kind of nice right now, because there's like a little bit of a chilly breeze.
1: Yeah, so you go back in that little common area uh, that you share with nine other cells. It is empty, and there there is a fire going. It's smaller now. Um, it's no one has put a fresh log on there in a while.
2: Is there a, a larder or anything like that somewhere that might have food? There is a temple kitchen. I want to go into the temple kitchen and see if I can find some, maybe just some bread or something like that so I can eat it in front of the fire.
1: Okay, so you you leave the common room because there's no food there and you decide I'm hungry, I'm going to the kitchen. So you go to the kitchen and there is a young apprentice. They are trying not to like fall asleep. Really, they look really tired. Um, but you see them there in the process of starting bread.
2: I think that if I see them kind of half sleeping, I want to say like I want to greet them, but I want to say in a loud tone to maybe like just give them a little bit of a surprise and just say like Hey there! <laughs> oh, um, it's it's what time is it? Could be late, could be early, as my friend always says. Uh, do you have any? Bread? Jam? Bread and jam. Anything like that. They look over at...
1: They look at the shelving unit that has a whole bunch of rising bread loaves on it. Um, Well, it's... it's, There's stew. Can I have some? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they get up. And they start to like get... Well... They get out a wooden bowl and a wooden spoon, and they ladle out some stew. It looks like they're kind of scraping a bit at the bottom of that big old cauldron. Um, you're you're at the bottom. I'm
2: going to get some burnt bits. It's fine.
1: Yeah, you do. There's some burnt bits, <laughs> but like there's some like good. Some of those. Some of them have like a lot of flavor, you know. Yeah. And they also get you
2: a mug of ale. I want to give them, like, tip my head in their direction, give them a nod of appreciation, and um, make my way in front of the fire for my little midnight snack. Hey, you. Go back, you sit down, you start midnight snack. I think once, once you know, I've had my snack and everything's kind of settled into my stomach, I want to give another try at meditating, I think that having a little bit of food in my stomach and maybe being in, even though it's a quite confined area, my cell is at least my space. And maybe having that privacy, I won't maybe get the quite the same semblance of peace, but darn it, I'm going to try. Okay.
1: You're, at this point, you're content and now you're, you feel a little bit more private. You're open to it. So you settle in, you close your eyes, and you focus on the breath.
2: Back to that diaphragmatic breathing.
1: Back to that diaphragmatic breathing. And you breathe. Inhale. You exhale. And you focus on that feeling of that air and how it feels within your body when it comes in. And how it feels as it exits. And with each inhale within that meditation, you start to visualize a silvery light coming in and blessing everything inside, and then leaving with the exhale. And that starts to happen with every breath, until that silver light begins to coalesce into a form. And soon it is a tall and lithe elven female. Atop her head is a silver headdress with teardrop pearls dangling around her forehead like a crown. She looks straight at you, Keila. And she doesn't she doesn't smile, but she's not frowning. She simply looks at you. Do I recognize her? You have never seen her before. But I would like you to give me a religion check, please. Twelve. At first, y- you don't... I don't think you would... There's a tiny part of you that thinks... sahanin
2: I think at this point in the encounter, I don't... I don't quite know how to communicate towards her... So I think that I try and focus my thoughts on her name before speaking out loud. So I just think very hard. Sehenin?
1: Okay. She nods her head and the dangling pearls rattle. Why are you
2: here? Are you here? Is this a dream? Was it the ale... No, it was the burnt stew. It was the stew.
1: I'm with everyone. It is Halloween.
2: Right. Well, I'm kind of like racking through and and trying to remember what I know about the significance of this night and, and what she has to offer me. Because... I I still don't know if I truly believe if there's anything, if she's there. She reads all of that.
1: Your ring. Come visit me. Where? The Crescent Grove, of course.
2: Is that where I literally just was?
1: (laughs) Give me another religion check. (laughs)
2: That's a seven. I'm rolling great. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you you really don't know what the Crescent Grove is. You did not listen to your father as much as he wished you had.
2: Yeah, that sounds like me. Um, do you, do you have a, a map?
1: Your ring, Keila. Oh! And she plucks a pearl from her headdress and holds it out to you between her index finger and
2: thumb. I want to reach for it, and when I do, can I feel her? Yes.
1: Her touch is like a cool stream. It is like the light of stars shining down upon you. It is lips brushing against your cheek.
2: I think... That actually feeling her is a bit discomforting because up until that point I was just thinking you oh, know it's a it's a dream it's bad food who knows but feeling a corporeal something especially something so distinctive definitely shocks me and I open my eyes
1: This episode was brought to you by Les Artisans d'Azur. They are a, well, a LARP and costuming company based out of Montreal, Quebec. And they have a website at Artisans d'Azur. That's com, And they ship all over the place. They have amazing stuff you probably saw my pictures of me in costume over at DD life i wore a bunch of their stuff and i felt wonderful i felt like such an earthy witch it was it was really really great check out their website check out some of the fabulous cosplay that they have on their website those pictures are phenomenal And now we want to say thank you to those of you who have left us reviews on iTunes. Now we know that there's been open news that iTunes is going to be well closed and their Apple's going to be creating their other stuff. But until then, we still need those reviews. They help us get to new listeners. We have two new ones. We have World Building is A Plus by Atticus Here-aith? I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing that properly. I can't even begin to describe how amazing the world building is in this podcast. The immersive nature of this world is both whimsical and nostalgic. I really appreciate the inclusive nature of this podcast and how Victoria creates situations which parallel the ones we face in modern society. It's extremely enjoyable, and I'm so happy to have such a large backlog to binge. Yay! Well, I hope you get through that backlog and get up to our new stuff, and welcome to the Broad Squad, Atticus. And we have Killing It, Y'all, by Celestial8227. The Broadswords is a fantastic show that is just getting better all the time. There is so much tasty witchness happening in the world, and the whole crew is just an ups. It's just absolutely delightful. It is a must listen. Well, thank you, Celestial. We appreciate that. So yeah, thank you everyone who have left reviews. Um, we don't advertise for the show, so all of your shout-outs, shoutouts, um, whether they're on iTunes or on Facebook or on Instagram or on Twitter or Tumblr or wherever it is that you happen to yell out into the void. Thank you, because it has helped us immensely. Okay, let's get to it. You come to, in your cell, with a teardrop pearl in your fingers.
2: The sight of the pearl and the feeling of it really just just surprises me. And I think that a lot of these encounters that we've had with God so far, I've tried to kind of play off as, you know, maybe I'm dreaming or this can't be real. It's a God. But having this real tangible thing in my hand makes it, so much more real. So I'm holding on to this, this teardrop pearl in my hand. And I kind of want to turn it and look at it from all sides while thinking to myself, Crescent Grove, what is this? What is this Crescent Grove that she was talking about? And after a moment, I kind of just shrug my shoulders, put my fingers on my ring and, Think of Crescent Grove. You're still holding the pearl? Yes.
1: You can feel a coolness. on Not like ice, though. It's like like I said before, that same sensation that you felt when you touched her. That feeling of a cool stream or lips upon your cheek that you feel radiating from the pearl and into your fingers and into your ring and the air around you shimmers and then turns into a mist which then clears and you stand just on the outside of a round citadel in the center of a wooded, of a forest. There is this great grove that is carved out with this big citadel that is marble and vegetation. It is architecture and nature married together and its spires raise up into the air, into twilight.
2: I take very slow, cautious steps towards the citadel, focusing on the senses of listening to the ground crunching beneath my boots and seeing what I can smell and keeping my gaze sharp in case there's anything that pops up in the corner of my eye.
1: There are guards on the walls. There... But they they seem to be not so much on alert. They're at ease. Either through confidence of their safety or simply because they just are safe. But they have a lot of ease about them. And as you approach, there are two guards. They look very ceremonial on each side of a... This is a very small gate. This is not a gate that... This is not a main gate. Uh, This is more of like a walking gate for pedestrians.
2: And the porticullis is open. I'm going to go in. Giving the the guards like a little like nod of acknowledgement. And they greet you in Elven. Good night. I respond back in Elvin, then it almost feels a little bit thick on my tongue speaking Elvin because I've been speaking common so much. It's been a long time. They don't comment on that. And you pass
1: through the marble arches and come through uh, between the two roots of a massive tree and into a courtyard. Um, this is the courtyard. It's a smaller courtyard, but it's still quite large. But you can tell because this is a, a smaller entrance. Um, this courtyard was not intended for horses or anything like that. And there are, is a short staircase leading up to a big double door leading into the citadel. And again, there are more guards standing there. However, there's a, one of the double doors is open.
2: I go through the double doors, and I want to take a note from the guards that I first entered and say goodnight in Elven to the guards that I pass.
1: And they nod and say goodnight to you. And when you step in, you step into this large vaulted hall. There are branches reaching out and marble towers and... Tapestries hanging, and an elven woman approaches you briskly. She wears a white dress. Her pale hair is tied back in a loose braid. Kila. Yes? She awaits. This way.
2: I'm gonna follow her. I mean, I've gotten this far with whatever this is. I might as well.
1: She leads you through the hall. up a winding staircase. And you walk up that staircase for a while. Probably feels like five floors. And you come out atop a spire and there is a beautiful garden with a fountain in the center. The fountain depicts two salmon leaping up into the air. And on the other side of the fountain is a pavilion, a marble pavilion with ivy and morning glory. And seated on that pavilion in an intricately carved wooden chair that has been draped in gorgeous tapestries for, for warmth and comfort, sits Sahenin in her silver headdress, and teardrop pearls
2: does she look different from when I saw her before is she more corporeal no she looks the same I'm gonna make my way past the fountain and towards her because she's the reason I'm here she wanted me here for some reason if all else my curiosity needs to know you doubt me It's not just you. It's a god thing.
1: My lover and I created the gods. So it's me. But that is neither here nor there. And she raises uh, from her throne. And she steps down two steps towards you. And she reaches out for your hand.
2: I raise towards her the hand with the ring. I think at this point, I don't know whether she has any interest in me or just my ring, but I have a pretty good feeling that's what she wants.
1: I made this. Did you put it there, too? No. That was Bahamut's doing. Ah. Why? Because we knew that this would happen, and we needed people.
2: You knew that what would happen?
1: The betrayer. It
2: was only a matter of time before it was freed. So you know that I kind of had something to do with that, but you still gave me this. It was you or someone else. So why did you bring me here?
1: Because you would not talk to me there.
2: That's, yeah, that's fair. All right, so what? What do you want to talk about?
1: If you are to succeed, you must have a clear mind.
2: Now that's okay. A bit of a challenge, but okay. Any suggestions on that?
1: Countless. I'll take one. She smiles. It's just a quirk of the corner of her mouth. tugs upwards. Come. And she turns, and it's a very graceful turn, and her robe kind of glides in the movement behind her. And she begins to walk through an archway leading out of this throne room.
2: When I follow her, I think that I'm also trying to be as graceful as I can possibly be. <laughs> Well, you know, you're pretty graceful. Your your
1: dex is pretty high. It's true. I think that I look so pretty think, good. <laughs> yeah, I think your de- default gracefulness is very graceful. I like that. So you go out gracefully following her. And she leads you into like, an antechamber. And the the stream that went through her throne room goes through it almost like must have dip underneath the wall and come out again in into a calm pool in this antechamber and next to that pool are two small cushions and that's really all that is in this room other than a small table with a a marble a carved marble um, like incense bowl and she lights some incense from a candle and settles down in a kneeling position on one of the cushions that face the pool
2: i want to kneel down next to her and look very openly at her face can i can i ask you can i ask you something why why me i mean i know that You know, Maypri. she was chosen by the Stag Lord, and I know that Hilary is everything that happened with her family, and she just got, she's got some sort of power. Both of them have some sort of powers that I don't really understand, but I don't really understand my place in this, and everybody just kind of always dismisses me, and I'm pretty sure the only reason I'm here is because I'm searching for a magical item, but it could be it could be anybody, many people were searching for those bagpipes for a while, but why me? It takes all kinds,
1: and it also takes different people to work together. Everyone has something to offer. Everyone has something unique.
2: I think I'm still sorting out what I have to offer.
1: I think you'll find most people are. Life is mysterious to everyone, whether you're mortal or immortal. No one really knows it, but we can try and we can work towards an understanding. And you and I, from the sheer nature of us, have an easier time of it than those who do not. As long as we contemplate and meditate, and ensure that we are at one with everything around us we can begin to unravel those mysteries
2: okay um i have a hard time when i meditate because it just feels like my my thoughts are just i can't stop them it's they just just go always
1: and that's natural. So when you meditate, you acknowledge them, but you let them float on by. Come. Watch the pond. See how the light of the candles flicker upon its surface.
2: And I do.
1: And you see candlelight flickering upon its surface and it dances. And it
2: moves
1: quite well. Can I please have a wisdom throw? A check.
2: 19.
1: Hmm. You can see, though, that flickering. You acknowledge it, and you focus on it. It's almost a hyper-focus. And it is dancing. And there is a movement to it. And you can see it move around in various shapes. And at one point, it's, it's Yaleri's hair, and then her face. And then it is your face. It is Sehanine's face. And then another moment, it's Rula's face. And then it flickers back into its own form. A flickering flame but it's calm it's quiet it is warm and comforting but it's dangerous it can burn it consumes it is all of those things it's neither good nor bad it simply is
2: I'm just very quiet well I see all of this and while I feel all of this when I get uncomfortable I i know that I talk and my instinct is to say something to to somehow diffuse it but I, I push down that instinct and just try and focus on the sights ahead of me
1: and you spend a very long time kneeling Staring at a dying flame.
2: And eventually, the candle goes out. When it does, can I see anything around me?
1: Yeah, you see Sehanine glittering next to you. You see her reflection in the pool. She's looking at you through it. That's all you need to do to understand. One day, I hope. I hope you will join the Halloween.
2: I hope so one day too. I think it's something that I'm afraid of because because you, you know, I, I grew up I grew up around elves, and it was so important to all the other elves. But to me, I what I left. I wanted to kind of shirk that, I wanted to shirk my elvishness a little bit because it was something that was given to me so much growing up that I, I kind of wanted to pull away as an act of rebellion and I think that's why I was so afraid of the Halloween. that and and once again the religion which I was trying to pull away from, so these two things that I was trying to pull away from, but I think having this moment of peace reminds me that I don't just need to rebel against everything I need to remember that there's a reason why it's important
1: she rises in a rustle of skirts you should go but no we are rooting for you Keela
2: thank you Sahinim I'm rooting for me too Good night. And in Elvish, I say good night. And you don't have to touch
1: your ring at this point, but you feel that mist rise and that shimmering. And then you're back in your cell. And on your pillow is a teardrop pearl. episode that will be june 22nd we have guest chelsea stark of the polygon show we're really excited she was so much fun to play with and we really want to have her back yes we do we must have her back and don't forget our live show it is at gen con just search using uh, one shot podcast network and it will come up we love to see you there See you next time. Thank you to our patrons. You allow us to continue doing this you allow us our our monthly our monthly bills you allow us to travel to go to cons so that we can interact with you and and that we can grow and and do really fantastic things so thank you so so much thank you to new patrons john h perry and mcangus and thank you to upgrading uh, patrons gary shaper thank you And Russ Moore, thank you. Ah, Thank you so much. Total Party Kill is a weekly live Twitch stream where John Patrick Cohen, Eddie Klinker, and James Dugan play through Cephalophore Games' Gloomhaven. Join them in the stream to play along the action and interact with a constantly changing cast of characters and special guests. Or watch them after the fact on the One Shot YouTube channel. TPK airs Thursdays at 7pm Central Time at twitch.tv slash one-shot-rpg.
2: Well, now I want to know what came to your mind first.
1: <laughs> oh, she was going to say something about you didn't have cheese. Um, <laughs> look. What happened? I broke them. No. and Kevin's it's good
2: that you had some spare pairs so close yeah that is
1: very nice now I have to get new headphones okay you open your eyes and you're seated in the common room the fire is low but in your hands is a teardrop pearl
2: I'm definitely feeling really uncomfortable at this point because... I, I think that sometimes I dismiss these encounters that we have with gods as as dreams, or, or at least I'm attempting to dismiss them, but having this real tangible thing, and also, I did not fall asleep in the common room, is uh, making me very wary. Oh, wait, you didn't? I thought I went to my cell.
1: Where did you go? Yeah. Oh, you went to your cell. I'm sorry. That's a right. mess. That. Theme music by Victoria Rogers. Other music is by Kevin McLeod of Incomptech.com. Songs used were Arcadia, Comfortable Mystery, Garden Music, Heart of Nowhere, Cottages, Ritual, Shores of Avalon, Soaring. And Funkarama. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.